Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. Diane is a leading small business development and leadership coach, author, and speaker who is passionate about sharing valuable ideas, tips, and techniques with business professionals worldwide. Diane brings you the world's experts and gurus in all things business, whether it's sales, structure, social media, planning, or plateauing, guests bring their expertise and energy to each episode. When growing your business is your focus, Accelerate Your Business Growth is the show to listen to. Got a topic or guest suggestion? Let Diane know. The goal is to make sure you have the information you need to move your business forward. Thanks for joining us. Settle in and enjoy. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth. We continue to be honored uh, with the fact that this podcast um, is gaining recognition as a great resource for small business owners, entrepreneurs, and sales professionals. From Inc.com to MSNBC's Your Business to Fit Small Business, uh, Proven, uh, there was just another one, People First, I believe, just named it one of the best um, sales podcasts on the planet. Uh, and we are thrilled with all of that. You know, this is our goal to get information in front of um, small business owners and salespeople so you guys can do better things in your business. A uh, good part of the reason why we are gaining so much recognition is because of the guests that come on. You know, they join me for a great conversation, uh, but really to provide their expertise to all of you so that you can use it in whatever areas of your business you think could use a little bit of help. Uh, today we have such a guest. It is Aaron Levy. Aaron is the founder and CEO of Raise the Bar, a firm focused on helping companies address the effectiveness of their leadership and harness the value of the millennial generation. Thanks so much for joining me, Aaron. Thank you for having me on, Diane. I'm excited to be here. I am thrilled to have you here. This whole millennial topic is is uh, pretty big. I, I have to say that I am of the generation that um, has given birth to the millennials, and so I experience an awful lot of people who have that, um, I'll say, uh, not the greatest viewpoint of millennials. Um, I do not share their belief. I think millennials are fabulous. Uh, but there does, you know, they are potentially different. They've grown up in a really different world. Um, so <laughs> I'm, I'm eager to, to have this conversation and I would really like to know, I mean, are they really different? Yeah, it's funny you say that. Um, cause I, this is a conversation I have all the time and it's, it's a yes and no answer. Um, yeah. Yes, in the sense that the, there is a couple of factors which make, one, the world of work a little bit different. There are factors in terms of technology and instant gratification and what we grew up with that change the way the millennial generation is versus boomers or Gen Xers. There's also just generally each generation has different inciting incidents that happen in their lives. Um, whether it was 9-11 or the real estate market crash and how that impacts the way in which we view the world and the way in which we're either risk averse or willing to take on risk. And so in a sense, millennials are different. Um, and what we'll probably get to at some point in this conversation, I'm a firm believer at, at our core, all human beings have um, have some very basic needs and we're all very similar in many ways. And so at the core of it, we're all humans. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's interesting. I really do think um, experiences uh, have, have a big impact on how people grow up. You know, like when I was growing up, my parents' generation, 
worked until they retired. They got a watch and a pension for the rest of their lives. Um, and, and so there was this, you worked someplace for a really long time and you were loyal to them and they were loyal to you. And it was this really wonderful world. And then I think probably as I got into my adulthood, you know, a lot of that changed and yep. it wasn't necessarily like that anymore. So now the kids, you know, now the millennials who grew up, they grew up in a, in a totally like different world where companies were letting people go all the time. Their pensions weren't there. They, there was at some point for a lot of companies, like no such thing all of a sudden for all these people who thought they were going to be taken care of forever. So I can see how that can inform then how they view the world of work. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. I, I like that you mentioned the way in which you know, they viewed work, right? Boomers, you're right. They saw work as a career. They were loyal to their companies. Gen Xers, like a whole different generation that we don't talk much about is work was a job and they were loyal to themselves. They were more practical, independent, and they were actually much more, much bigger risk takers, which if you look at all these young tech companies um, and these young, fast growing companies, most of them are started by Gen Xers, not millennials. You look at the CEOs or the founders of these companies, they're mostly Gen Xers because the Gen X generation is just a little bit different um, and they're much bigger risk takers. Whereas millennials are, are, and we're talking in generalizations here, stereotypes. Yeah, so yeah. we want to be, want to be careful, but um, <laughs> millennials are more, more risk averse and they, they see work as a calling, right? They're looking for work to yeah. be this more than just a career, more than just a job. It's a calling and their loyalty lies with their community. And what they really value is contributing, which is why you'll, you'll hear companies talk about their purpose or their social mission and um, how we're giving back and how we connect. And that is all the reaction that the market is having to what millennials are pulling for and, and looking for, one, in the products they buy, but also in the companies they work for. I want a company that has purpose. I want to be somewhere where I'm contributing to my community. I want to do something that, that feels like a calling. Uh, which is a very different language than the workplace has seen in the last 40 years. Absolutely. And I think it's wonderful. I mean, isn't that oh. right? I mean, you spend so much time at work. It should be something that was a calling. So obviously I'm biased. I'm a millennial. <laughs> I spend a lot of time researching millennials. So I don't know if you're asking the right person here, but I, I think it's what could be better. What, what could be better than really contributing and giving back, one, to our community and expecting more from the place that we work, expecting something bigger? And it, it's, causing, it's causing issues, right? It's causing turnover. Millennials turn over three times more than any other generation. It is a real problem. It, it's why I do the work I do because I, I was in the middle of my 20s when I started to see all of my friends leaving their jobs and then leaving their second jobs. And all these were cool, exciting companies. I had a friend who was making well into the six figures and he was working with his best friends and he had a barista on staff and the company kept growing and he was getting promoted and he quit. Why? And I, <laughs> that, that, <laughs> Diane, the exact same question. So I'm a coach too. And that's what I said. I was like, why? Even though as a coach, I know that there's more to it than money and there's more to it yeah. than these external factors. Yeah. But you know, on the outside, you're just like, the, the question comes. And so that's actually what sparked this, this business. And that's what sparked uh -huh. the curiosity is I said, what's behind this? What's happening here? So I went and talked to him and I had a conversation and I started to understand what's behind his leaf story. And then I talked to my other friend and then I talked to everybody that would be willing to share their leaf story with me from Uber drivers to friends, to businesses I was working with, to their employees. Why did they leave their last company? Why might they leave their current company? And you know what I've found? There's three core perspectives, three core reasons behind each of these leave stories. First okay. one is I want, yeah. I want purpose behind the work I'm doing. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. And these, these aren't going to be like the most insightful. They're, they're kind of obvious when you hear them, especially you with a millennial, with millennial kids. 
right? I want purpose behind the work I'm doing. The second one is interesting is I want to feel connected to my team, to my company, to my boss. And what companies will hear that is, is I want to, I want to be recognized. But recognition yeah. is just a way of feeling connected to my team, to my company, to my boss. Like I'm heard, like I'm seen. So they, they want to feel connected to that. And the third reason is, is they want to feel like their company, like their boss cares about their growth and development. Uh, so, and so, yeah, wow. go ahead. Well, it's just so interesting. And I'm so glad you said that recognition is just a part of feeling connected, right? Because we do. I mean, the the older generation, so to speak, will say these, these kids, they, they want to be patted on the back. They think they're unique and, and all this crap. And I'm thinking, okay, well, everyone wants to feel like they're acknowledged. Even customers want to feel like they are valued and they matter. And so that's not really a generational thing. Uh, it's probably that these kids think they maybe it's it's more um oh gosh, what's the word I'm looking for like like it it's a good thing, and maybe if my generation had felt that way, maybe people wouldn't have sat in jobs with really horrible bosses for the longest time just because the money was good and had you know grown up miserable at work and had heart attacks at 50. You know. Well, here's what I think. I think that these are core things that every, everyone wants. We all want to feel purpose yeah. in our lives. We all want to feel like we're connected, like we're heard. Everyone wants to be heard. Yep. We all want to feel like we're growing and developing. No one wants to feel like they're stagnant and in place. Yet the difference is, is the millennial generation is asking of this from their work whereas other generations might have found this in other places, or you'd have a midlife crisis and you say, I need to find this somehow, whether it's in work or somewhere else. And so we all have this and want this. It's just what I find is powerful, and you brought it up earlier, is that the millennial generation wants and expect this from the workplace. And that is an amazing ideal to look towards and to work towards. We're not there, but it's, for me, I think that's a great thing. I do too. I do too. And I think it's great for, for the entire economy, right? This, this whole concept of work and business, that this is really great because it, there's a certain level, there's certain elevation that happens when people feel that sort of connectivity. Oh, yeah. It's, it's the win-win. It's the true win-win. Yeah. 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 Uh, I want to take a quick sponsor break because I, I want to make sure I get it in so we can keep going with this conversation and I don't feel like I'm missing it. Um, Accelerate Your Business Growth Podcast is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. They have over 150,000 titles to choose from and you can listen to them on any device, including whatever you're hearing us on right now. If you sign up at our link, which is audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, you get one free audiobook and a one-month trial of the service. Some examples of books you can listen to on audible.com are 80-20 Sales and Marketing by Perry Marshall and The Go-Giver by Bob Berg. So visit audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, explore the books that are of interest to you, and receive one free audiobook when you sign up for the trial. Today, we're talking with Aaron Levy about engaging and retaining millennials in today's workplace. So this all feels to me like it's a leadership, you know, like a management problem um, that, that they're really either not seeing or embracing, adopting, you know, whatever it is. Um, but, but I'm curious from your viewpoint, having studied this and, you know, going into this business, what, why are so many managers not very good at leading? Oh, um, it's unfortunate. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think most managers, I think most managers suck. 
Um, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm straightforward and to the point about it. I, I'm not really apologetic just because it's what I've seen. It's what I've known. It's what yeah. is behind all those lead stories. Um, if you, you can circle in on, on one key component and it's, it's for this reason, it's the way we structure our businesses is we hire people and promote people into management positions because they're good at what they do. Yeah. So you're a good salesperson. You're the best salesperson on our team. You're the person who's now going to manage all the other salespeople. But the best salesperson is really good at doing their processes. They know what works for me, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for anybody else. Yeah. And that can really create the opposite of a great leader. I think Gallup in their State of the American Manager report says one in 10 managers actually has the tools and skills to be great leaders. And, and it's, it's to me, something that doesn't have to be that way. These yeah. are tools and skills that can be trained. You don't have, you're not stuck in that. But what we're doing in organizations, especially now as, as these larger organizations, the, the older organizations with the training and, and built in is not around anymore. We're not paying as much money, time and attention to the training. We're throwing someone into a management position, we're asking them to do their job and then manage people. And they're two very different skills and then we're leaving them on their own without the tools or skills to really do that well. Okay, so wait, hang on a second. So are you saying that these people who get promoted because they're good at a thing but they don't necessarily have management skills, that they can be taught to be good managers? The reason okay. I know, yes. So yes. Uh, the reason I know that can be the case is I went through coaching training, 200 plus hours of training to be a coach, not as a coach, but as a manager. I went through it thinking about how can I serve and lead my team better? And as I went through it, I picked up skills that I wasn't very good at, like listening or asking powerful questions. And in going through it, I said, if I can learn these skills, it's practice, and I've spent my career on the study and science of behavior change, it's as simple as moving people from knowledge to action in a couple of key habits. And after going through the training and spending my time thinking about what are the elements of a great leader and what are the habits that they hold and use on a daily basis, that's how we put together the the best ways and the best training that we have um, to really build the habits of a leader. That's interesting. That, that, that's really interesting. Um, Cause I think that's something that those poor people struggle with, you know, they get promoted and I think they know that they don't necessarily have that skill set, and it's like beating your head against a wall because you know there's an expectation you don't have the first idea of how to go about it but if you could just go back to doing the thing you were doing successfully you'd be happy everyone else would be happy so being able to then learn that would be great but before i ask you about like how you do that i thought another question just popped into my head that if i don't ask i'll forget and that is this <laughs> If you have someone, let's say you have someone who's a really good salesperson, should you even bother promoting them or should you leave them as a really good salesperson? I don't have the answer. The answer is you need to ask them. Ah, I and this love is the, that. This is, the, this is the answer to leadership a lot of the times <laughs> is it don't assume or plan what somebody else really wants or what they're going to put their efforts and energy towards. Connect and ask. Hey, if it's a salesperson, they can make a ton of money not being a manager and just being a high performer. And they can in, increase in rank in the company, but they don't need to manage people. It doesn't have to be to move up in this business, you need to manage people. We need to let go of that belief because that actually stunts the growth of companies and really halts them and starts to create this massive turnover because you have people who, one, aren't in the right seats and they're working with other people and they're not helping them get in the right seats or get the right training or really achieve their best, which is the role of managers is to help your employees be as successful as possible, is yeah. to unlock their potential and growth so that everybody in the company wins. 
Well, that is a great answer. I love that answer. Ask them. It's really right. And that people should be able to grow with a company without going into, like going hierarchically up. They should, right? I I mean, that's, ugh, yeah. Yeah, it's structural. That's so interesting. And And we can even move them up in the hierarchy. We can move them up in the hierarchy. That That doesn't mean they have to have direct reports under them. Right, you can have someone who's yeah. a VP who doesn't actually have direct reports, but they do strategy or they do implementation. They they do something and they're really really good at it at the highest level. They just don't manage people because that's not one where they care to put their energy and it's not their highest and best use. And wow, the that's biggest awesome. problem. I mean, you you read good to great, right? Jim Collins' book. Yeah, it's about having the right people in the right seats. Yeah. Don't force people into the wrong seat and move somebody out of the right seat into the wrong seat. You're losing twice. You're losing a good salesperson, and then you're putting a bad manager in play who's now going to impact a team of eight or ten people. Right? You're losing tenfold, twentyfold potentially in that in that one decision. Right. Right. Ugh, that's amazing. Okay, this is really. I'm so glad we're having this conversation, and I really hope that the that the audience is really paying attention to this because this is we're we're doing it to ourselves right and we don't need to be it's really just a matter of how do you look at it it's looking at it differently it's looking at it from just other possibilities and and what's weird about this is that actually if you if we all and I'll say you know the people like in my generation we're willing to say, let's look at, let's listen to these millennials. Let's look at the world from their viewpoint and ask them what they see we, and what they expect or would like, right? We could probably very easily reframe our business in a way that was great for everybody. Totally. And here's one bit of caution, especially with millennials and with anybody in the 22 to 30 range is that asking might not necessarily give you the answer that fits best, but it gives you more information, right? So you might ask a millennial what they want. They might say, I want more money and I want a promotion. Or what should we do? And they might say something that's not the right fit. One, you're going to get more information asking. Two, at 22 to 24 to 26, they're trying to discover what they, what's important to them, why they're here, what work they're doing, what's best. So we also have to understand that. And so I want to, one, throw caution to, let's just follow what the millennials want to do and do all of that. That's not what I'm saying here. What, what I'm saying is you don't know and you can't learn. You can't properly evaluate situations, your company, your team, positions, who to hire and what to do until you ask the right questions, until you ask what I call powerful questions. That's great. So can you give us an example of what some of those powerful, what a powerful question would be? Yeah. Um, well, here's the thing with powerful questions is it's a practice and there is no script for how to ask a powerful question. So I'm going to give you a couple of questions in the context. They may be powerful or depending on the situation that your listeners are delivering them, they may not be powerful. Powerful questions are in the moment. They're when you're really listening to somebody else. They're out of curiosity, coming from a beginner's mindset where you don't know. And the questions that I set people up initially when we're first starting to do this is have a stay interview with your employees, right? Not the exit interview where you say, hey, why are you leaving? What, what caused you to leave? No, have a stay interview with your employees and ask them these questions. Where do you want to grow? How do you want to develop? What skills are you looking to grow and develop? The third question I just asked, what skills are you looking to grow and develop, are, is more important because it's not what position do you want, what title do you want, what salary range, or what do you want to be doing. It's what skills do you want to develop because that any manager can help their employee develop those skills. They can help put them on tasks or get them thinking about it or really frame the way in which they're working after their goals towards developing certain skills. Now they can't give them a little promotion or job, new job title, 
but they can help them develop those skills. So if you ask, what skills are you looking to develop? And then truly listen. And, and truly, if you, if you mean it from your gut, ask, how can I help support you in doing that? Instead of assuming you know how to support them, instead of you assuming you know what they want, ask. And so those two questions, what skills are you looking to develop? And how can I help support you in achieving them? Are two great starter questions in this process. Yeah, boy, it sounds like it. That's really awesome. Wow. It's, it just sort of changes the whole dynamic. I think so many business leaders are so focused on what can you do for the business that maybe they don't realize that if they can understand where their employees are coming from and, and what they need, they're either going to be able to provide it or not, but at least they know, at least they're engaging in that dialogue and having that conversation. And what happens is you flip the script too. When you ask those questions, when you have stay interviews, what you're telling the employee is, I care about you. Yeah. But you're telling the employee is, I care about your growth and development, right? Back to what millennials want. I want purpose. I want connection. I want growth and development. Well, you're giving them two of the three right there just by asking a question. And you have to be there with the person. You have to listen. You can't just ask it and not pay attention. You have yeah. to really care and be curious about what the answer is and then follow up and follow through with them on it. But when you do that, you flip the script and your employee instantly becomes more motivated to you because that one-on-one -on -one relationship between the manager and the boss is the most important part in the company. Yeah. And that's where we fail the most. Yeah. And I, I, if I ask that question to my employee, do you know how much more leeway I get to make a mistake, to do something yeah. wrong? Right. Because they know I care about them. They know I'm there supporting them. And they know I'm a human too, and I make mistakes. And I probably wasn't coming from a place of trying to sabotage. Right. Right. It, it stops being an us versus them sort of environment. So it gives us latitude, yeah. Yeah. And so do you think that this then um, decreases the amount of turnover that companies experience with millennials or can I'm gonna I'm gonna reverse this on you do you know any millennials that have been at a company or an organization for more than three or four years uh, that's a good question well uh, I know one but I don't think it really applies so, okay. I mean, you know, so, I mean, so I would say my son, he's been at the same place since he was 14, but that, but he comes and goes, you know, when he comes home from college, he comes and goes. It's sort of different. It's not gotcha. like being, gotcha. you know, okay. like the career thing. So, no. So here, here's a, a interesting trick, uh, interesting test to test out is start looking around for people like that. Um, and listeners start looking around for people like that. Here's what you'll find is few and far between when you find people that have been there three, four, five years. But what you'll notice is the people that have been have a boss, a mentor, somebody that directly holds and helps support them in their growth and development. And when that person leaves or when that relationship changes, it's more likely that there's going to be turnover unless there's somebody else to replace that person for them. So you ask, does having a manager who can coach, who can be a real true leader for their employees, reduce turnover? Heck yes. Yeah. Bar none. You, you, I was one of my friends, actually not friends, uh, people I met, and I, I asked him, he'd been in his company for six years. And I said, what's, going, what, what's happening, Dalton? And he said, you know, there have been times where I thought about leaving or I wasn't sure about the direction of the business, but I really love my boss. And so I probably should have left, but I stayed because of him. Wow. You'll hear that. I probably should have left, but I stayed because of him or her. Wow. 
Boy, it really does make a big difference. Wow. Profound impact. It's the single biggest point of leverage in every organization. And it's a competitive advantage because most organizations aren't taking advantage of it. Yeah. No One, good. they're not putting the right people in the right seats. And then two, when their people are in any sort of seats, they're not giving them the tools to be great leaders because those leaders can then have such a profound impact. They have a hundred person company. Instead of doing something like free lunches for all a hundred people, take that same exact amount of money, invest it in those 20 people to really lead better. Huh. Yeah. Okay. So, hmm, I'm not sure how I want to ask this question. Um, hmm. If there's somebody listening and they're um, a small business owner and they want to be able to really delegate a lot more than they do. Like they're, they're, if, if you ask them why they didn't, they would say, um, I just, I don't think they're going to do it the way I do it. Uh, like how would you tell a listener, how would you, help convince them. I hate the word convince. I'm going to say it anyway. But, but how can we help them be open to this idea of, because this feels like a trust thing to me, of, of oh, trusting, yeah. right? That if they go down this road, it, it's going to be good for them. Yeah, it, it comes to a couple of, uh, one essential question. Do you want to be an operator of your business or do you want to be leading and growing your business? Because if you want to be an operator of your business, go ahead, make sure your hands in every pot and you're taking care of everything and any, any small detail that has to get approved goes through you. That's fine. I'm biased against that. I think it's more stressful, more time consuming. I know plenty of leaders that I talk to and work with like that and it's limiting to the growth that you can have as a business. Like this podcast is about accelerating your business growth. It, that stifles your business growth because there is a, you know, there's a bottleneck and the bottleneck yeah. is you. If you want to grow your business, you can't be an expert and you can't know every single thing that's happening in the business. And so you have to let go. Yeah. Your business will never grow and succeed if you're to the levels beyond where you probably are today if you're trying to hold the reins on everything. And so it's not really a choice. It's are you going to, are you going to let yourself lead? And letting yourself lead means letting others lead. Huh. Yeah, that's good. And some people choose to, I'm going to operate in my business. I'm going to be a solopreneur. I'm going to have a small team. And I love that. And there's plenty of people that have th – that's, that's for them. And there's other people that are trying to take their business from 13 people to 30 people and 30 people to 80 people and 80 people to 120 people. Well, at 120 people or at 30 people or at 80 people, you're not going to be able to do everything you're doing now at five people. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way something's got to give. So, and also for those people who say, uh, it's hard to find good people, and every time I find good people, they're only here for a little while, and then they go. It sounds to me like what you're talking about is, okay, yeah, but there's, there's potentially a reason internally why they're leaving, and from the research you've done, there's, it's about what they're not getting um, in the organization. So it sounds to me like these people should really be taking a look inward as opposed to outward. I've had people say to me before, why would I invest money in these people if they're just going to leave? <laughs> yeah, that's a big question. And I would say, well, why invest money in your business? Anyway, what's the point? Here's the paradigm shift that we've been talking about kind of this whole time, which is if you make your place of work a place where people leave better because of working with you, because of working in your organization, 
One, that creates a reputation that people want to come and work for you. Two, it makes people want to stay there longer because they know it's not better elsewhere. Three, when they think it's better elsewhere and they leave, there's a high likelihood they're going to come back or they're going to be a customer or they're going to be back with you at some way, shape, or form in your life and career. Yeah. And so it pays back to you in multiples when you do that. And on top of it, you're investing in the biggest asset of your business, which is your people. It's your biggest right. cost on the P&L. Like, it just is. So we need to invest in that to make sure it operates just as good as our IT does. <laughs> this is great. I, I love this, this whole concept. I mean, really, everything about it. And the interesting thing is that I, I'm not really even sure that it's only about millennials. I mean, I totally get that. I think that's what sh shines the light on it because millennials leave. They're not afraid to leave where they're working if they're not happy, uh, which didn't necessarily happen 20, 30 years ago. But I would imagine that this, as you said at the beginning of this, actually, that everybody has the same needs and the, and the same wants. It's just millennials have sort of taken a big spotlight and said, seriously, we mean it. This is really what we want. And you're so right. And there's actually a really interesting, um, in my mind, a reason behind this, uh, or one of the reasons, one of the factors contributing to it, which is we're no longer in the Industrial Revolution. Yeah. We're no longer in the working economy, although we act like it. So yeah. we have nine to five. That's a term. People still use it. People still, I still even, I work for myself. I own my own business. I still think about ending my day around five o'clock. Yeah. Like, where does that come from? <laughs> that comes from the industrial revolution and we're stuck in this way. And in the industrial revolution is you went to the, factory, you went on the assembly line and you stamped a box and that was your job. So you didn't need to see the bigger picture. You didn't need to know what the box was for. You didn't need to know who it was going to. You just need to know stamp straight, stamp down, stamp hard. Yeah. Right? You're just making those, those stamps every day, hour after hour, nine to five, you clock in, you clock out. The world of work has changed. Probably 40 years ago, that type of work was out of the way. And for the last 40 years, we've been in this weird limbo period where you're expected to work from the office. You, some people still punch in in a, in a like, it's so weird, but the world of work has changed. We're now in a knowledge economy. We're now in a place where if I have an employee, they need to know why they're doing that project and who it's going to work and how it's going to help them. They're, they need to know the whole purpose behind it because that's going to help them deliver the best solution because we're doing creative, thoughtful work, work that happens when I'm walking home from the gym at six in the morning, the sun's rising and my brain's like, oh, that's it. That's the idea. That's work. Although today we don't consider that work. Yeah. Today we only consider work if I'm on a phone call, if I'm in a meeting, if it's on my calendar or if I'm sitting at my desk typing something out. But it's just not the case. The creative work happens so differently. Boy, it's so true. That's so weird. And I agree with you completely. I think it is absolutely that we have not gotten out of the industrial revolution, even though it is long gone. It, it is a totally different world. Yeah. And unfortunately, we have a lot of institutional things that are mm -hmm. placed around the industrial revolution, too. I mean, school systems. School system was developed in the industrial revolution to industrialize teaching. Clearly, it's not working anymore. And we're just, we're stuck in that way. And there's a, there's a bunch of examples we can see in, in our world today of how things are broken and need to change. And yeah. yes, millennials are coming up in this generation where it's starting to happen. So they're being blamed for it, even though it's something that we talked about being good. And yeah. there probably isn't blame that can be cited because this is just a, a changing world of work. So there's a lot of factors happening, but the ultimate thing is, is the world of work's different. We need to be thinking about it differently. We need to be approaching it and evaluating and assessing and pouring our assets and our resources into the right things. Yeah. Boy, no kidding. This is really, I feel like a revolution is about to happen because hopefully it really is a big enough 
push for a change that we can change all of those things because we really, in order to be successful moving forward in, in everything, in education and business and in life and feeling uh, fulfilled and all of those things, we've got to look at things as they have changed. You know, we have to look at them differently. They are different. We've got to own it. Yeah, it's so true. There, and there's a, there's a fear I have. And the fear I have is the way the business world is going is we're going to have a lot more small and medium-sized businesses, right. less of the behemoths. The great thing about the behemoths was that they had these long career paths and they invested a lot in training and they had whole 200, 300,000 person training departments. And you went through, you had all of that training yeah. to be a better leader, to be better at your role. Now with these small and medium-sized businesses, one, they're just getting by, and then two, they hit explosive growth. They have to hire so fast. They have to bring people on so fast. They, they never get the time to really think about investing in their people. And so my fear is, is we get into, I got to rush to do, 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 because our company is growing so fast that what happens is they forget or they don't take the pause to reflect and say, how do we continue and sustain this? in a, in a sustainable way yeah. by investing in our people. And when they don't invest in their people, what happens is their people start to leave. So you, yeah. I mean, if you look, you'll see companies that went from, here's a pretty good, the way I think about it, companies who go from 90 to 200 or 200 to six or 900, you'll often see there's a significant period of time where they either stay at that number or they drop. And then they start to have layoffs because they're not doing as well because they're losing so much money from the turnover. Because right. they grew too fast and they didn't spend any time investing in their, in their development. They spent time building beautiful offices, beer on tap, making flexible <laughs> work hours, giving all these great benefits that don't actually drive the true change. They're all nice. And yeah. if you're a competitive company, you probably can't take those away because that's how you compete with the other companies. But that's not what's driving. That's, I'll tell you, this is like the realization that I love is all these companies have free LaCroix and beer on tap. And I can tell you for certain, not one employee, not one millennial is waking up in the morning, three months into their job and saying, I can't wait to go and give my best to my company today because I get free LaCroix. <laughs> because I get free beer on tap. It's just not the case. And when you ask yeah. any CEO or leader that question, they start, oh my God, you're right. So then why is that what we think of investing in our people? Because it's easy. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, come on. That doesn't take a lot of work or effort or thinking or paradigm shifts, right? Just throw stuff at it. Wow. Yeah, and we tend we tend to believe that others are motivated by external drivers. Right. So people are motivated by money. People are motivated by free things. Yeah. And to an extent, we are. But the most sustainable motivation comes from an internal desire. It yeah. comes from your drive. It comes from what you care about. It's why when you ask me, what should we do with that high-performing sales leader, ask them. Yeah. Because that will give you an insight. If they golf at the idea of managing and they have no desire, don't put them in a position. Exactly. If they think, that's how I want to grow and develop myself, I'm not good at it, but I want to be. If they want to be good at it, they're going to get good at it because they probably weren't good at sales at some point and they got good at it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. This is so great. And it's so very, very important. And so, so tell my listeners how they can find you, you know, what, how you work with companies to help them overcome this kind of thing. So I'll answer each in succession. Uh, they can find me if they want to reach out to me directly and ask any questions about today's conversation, they can reach me directly at Aaron, A-A-R-O-N at Ray's bar.co and uh, they can also go to our website www.raisebar.co the way in which we approach the situation is we go back to something that we had at the start of the conversation right if manager if if employees and millennials want purpose they want connection they want growth and their single biggest resource to getting there to getting that in a company because it's a perception it's not something you can just hand out hand over here's here's purpose here's growth yeah. It's a perception that they receive, and the biggest point of influence in that is their manager, is what we do is we, we focus on four, only four 
key habits. And those habits are derived from essential traits that a great leader has. Great leaders are powerful motivators. They're master evaluators. They're really great at being direct in their communication. And they're also understanding that leading is about serving. It's about serving others to be at their best. And so those are, those are four traits that you'll see in a great leader. But you won't see a great leader walk in at the start of the day and say, I'm going to motivate today. Here's motivation. I'm going to give it to you. Because you don't just go motivate. That's not how it works. There are practices and what I call habits, not what I call their habits, that we do on a daily basis, which help us motivate others. And so each of those traits has a, has a habit. And the work that we do is we help people move from knowledge to action with these habits, help make them a part of their everyday life so they're not thinking about it and they're just doing it. We don't give them a playbook for how to manage. We give them a playbook for what are the steps I need to take to be better at listening. So the first habit is to listen with intention, not tension. What do I need to do to ask powerful questions? How do I adopt the habit of asking powerful questions? How do I get better in my direct communication? And then the last one, which is often the hardest for any leader, for most leaders, is how do I hold critical conversations? Mm. And I say this, we do, we do a 12-week long training where we, we do one training session on listening, then you have a homework assignment, which is actually to hold stay interviews, that's the first homework assignment, and then you have a coaching session, which is how did it go, what worked, what didn't, and we, that's how we make sure people are adopting the habit because we're practicing it enough times. And then we go to the next workshop and the next homework assignment. And I say at the first workshop, I say one of the hardest things that we're all going to, that you're all going to have to realize by the end of this training is that feedback is a gift. Yeah. It's a gift to somebody else. And you're actually serving somebody when you give them a gift and you're robbing them when you, when you don't give them that feedback. Even if that feedback is you're not a right fit here, we need to let you go. Yeah, boy, absolutely. Thank you so much for saying that. That That is really, I mean, people are better off finding where they can thrive than being someplace just for the money. I, I don't know if you if you went through this in your coaching. One of our core tenets of coaching was that humans and people are creative, resourceful, and whole. And when we don't believe that they're creative, resourceful, and whole, when we believe that they're broken, that, they, that they're going to be broken if we fire them, then we hold them to this lower standard of possibility. By not giving them feedback, by not firing them when they need to be fired or telling them that that didn't work when it didn't work, what we're doing is we're holding them to a lower standard of possibility. And I find that awful. I do too. And as, hard, so as hard as it is to tell somebody a truth that will feel uncomfortable for me, and maybe make them feel uncomfortable, and they might not like me because of it, you know what, it's, it's going to help them in the future at some point in their life or their career. Exactly. And they may never tell me, but it's, but it's a gift to them. Yeah. And so, as you said, if, we're, if somebody's not a right fit in an organization, they probably know it. They probably don't feel good about it. They're probably worried every day going into work, am I going to get fired, or am exactly. I doing this wrong, because they're not a fit. So, let them know and let them yeah. get closer to finding what works so that they can be at their best, so they can be fulfilled. Absolutely. That is right on. Thanks for sharing that. I, I'm with you completely on that one. On the whole thing. I mean, this is really interesting for me. It's, it's, um, and, and it's so funny because, you know, I said at the beginning of this that, that there are so many people in my generation have this attitude about millennials, but, uh, we created them and we shouldn't have that attitude because frankly it, it, it's a better way of being and um and and it all as you said stems from the same place we all have the same sorts of wants and desires and needs as humans so i see this as is really if if business owners and leaders just embrace this idea of just being better leaders then it's not going to matter who they're dealing with because they're going to be behaving in a way that's just going to be good for everybody in any situation. That's, it couldn't be more right. 
And you know what I tell the people? I say, even if you're not in of this, right, we're both of the same mindset where why not like listen to them understand, even if you're not of that mindset and you're like, screw this. The truth is, is you're not going to have a, you're not going to have a choice in the matter yeah. in the next five to 10 years. Millennials are going to make up 75% of the work population and their turnover costs you depending on the salary of the employee, 10 to a hundred thousand dollars to replace. You just, you can't afford to not yep. like it's, if you're trying to be a business that's in business uh, with multiple people that's outside of just you, you need to figure out how to engage and work with millennial talent. And the best, simplest, most affordable way is to really be able to listen, to ask powerful questions, to be direct in your communication with them, even if it's something that they might not want to hear, and to hold critical conversations when they need to happen. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Wow, this this was so great. I really appreciate you spending time with us and sharing this. And, uh, you know, listeners, go over to there to raisebar.co and connect with Aaron and learn about how you can be um, connecting better and, and listening and doing better things in your business. Uh, so, Aaron, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I really appreciate it. It was a great um, – I learned a lot. So I always like – learning uh, because then I know my listeners are as well so thanks uh, and I want to thank the listeners and our sponsor visit audibletrial.com slash business growth and sign up for a free trial you will also get a free audiobook continue to prosper and be curious and until we meet again on another episode of accelerate your business growth goodbye and good day don't you know that you're a grown-up I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, I think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. (laughs) Right.